0: Lord, for thy grace, that we thy dwelling
1: place may be.
2: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21 year book by book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This life study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's
1: program. Solomon reigned during the height of the nation of Israel's glory, but he did not reign in life. Romans 5.17 says, Those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. We're continuing in our life study of 1 Kings today, but if you stay with us, we believe that you will hear a unique word about King Solomon and how it applies to us believers in Christ today. This is Matt Miller filling in for Chris Wilde, and Ron Kangas is here with me. Ron, I'm glad that you could be with me for this particular life study program.
2: Thank you for having me, and I look forward to fellowshipping together about this crucial vital yet little-known matter revealed clearly in
1: Romans of reigning in life. It's amazing how we could have something on reigning in life from Romans as we study First Kings, but I think if our listeners stay with us, they'll get a real view today. It makes sense. It's not an illogical
2: leap, because the kings are our representatives in eternity as sons of God, components of the New Jerusalem, we will be priests serving the Lord, seeing his face, and we will also reign forever and ever under the shining of God. That indicates that we will be kings. The believers as kings are represented by the kings in the book of Kings, and Paul speaks of reigning in life. Kings reign. Only the believers as the kings should reign in life. So from the point of view of life, it fits together wonderfully, as uh, we expect our listeners will
1: realize. Today's Life Study program is actually taken from the printed message of 1 Kings number 7, and it's the fifth message in a series. It actually is the concluding message on the Life Studies entitled, The Reign of Solomon. We've covered in the past many of the specific details related to Solomon's reign, Today we'll also cover a few more of those. But the heart of today's program lies in this matter of reigning in life, which we just talked about a little bit. Do you want to say a little bit more about that as an introduction before we get into the actual message? Maybe a little to help open the way for the Word to be
2: ministered. According to Genesis 126, humankind was created in God's image. That's obviously for the expression of God. Image is expression. And we were given dominion. That implies representing God's authority to reign. So human beings were created by God, according to the word of God, to represent God reigning as kings. And this representation of God as a king is dependent upon expressing him with his image, even his divine glory. This means that the thought of reigning on God's behalf is in the scriptures from the very beginning. We mentioned in our opening word of fellowship that the believers, as the New Jerusalem in eternity, will be priests and kings. The priests will express the Lord. That's the fulfillment of the image in Genesis one twenty six. The kings will reign with the Lord and on his behalf, although they will not share the throne of sovereignty, they will reign with him. That's the fulfillment of the dominion with authority in Genesis one twenty six. So we have a line connecting Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, the line that shows God's purpose and the fulfillment of God's purpose. We should expect that throughout the whole of the Bible there should be some development of this line, both in typology with the people of Israel and in reality with the believers in Christ. So now we're on the book of Kings, Everything in the kingdom depended on the condition of the kings, whether they were one with God and for God or departed from God or not. And as types, the kings portray both the promise and the peril of the believer's situation today. We may be like the kings who were failures, not be ruled by the Lord, not be one with the Lord, totally unable to represent him. On the other hand, we may receive the abundance of grace based upon the gift of righteousness. Paul speaks of this in Romans 5.17. If this is our situation, then in an inward way, in the way of life, we will reign, even in this age of grace. This doesn't mean that we will have some kind of kingdom for ourselves, or that we will be exercising authority over others, it means that we ourselves will be under God's rule, and as those who are under his rule in life, we will be able to reign in life by grace and by righteousness. Eventually, those believers who are faithful to the Lord and who reign in life in the age of grace inwardly, will be counted by the Lord, his overcomers, when he returns. And they, the overcomers, will reign with him outwardly on the earth during the millennial kingdom, the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth. So we have the seed of reigning in Genesis, the harvest of reigning in Revelation, and the development of reigning, both in typology and in reality and life in the Old Testament and the New Testament accordingly. So maybe this framing of the question of reigning in life will help us to focus on the excerpts of the ministry from the Life Study of Kings and to understand why there is the burden in the ministry concerning reigning in life.
1: I want to at least cover a few of the verses in these chapters. We're going to cover three chapters, chapters 9 through 11 of 1 Kings. And the first nine verses of chapter 9 give us a good opening to what we're going to talk about today. So I'd like to read those verses. Chapter 9, verse 1 says, And when Solomon had finished building the house of Jehovah, and the king's house, and everything that Solomon desired to make, Jehovah appeared to Solomon a second time, as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. And Jehovah said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication, which you have made before me. I have sanctified this house, which you have built by putting my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there continually. And as for you, if you walk before me as David, your father walked with a perfect and upright heart, By observing all that I have commanded you and keep my statutes and my ordinances, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever. As I promised to David your father, saying you will not lack a man on the throne of Israel. But if you or your sons indeed turn away from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have put before you and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut Israel off from the face of the land which I have given them and the house which I have sanctified for my name I will cast out of my sight. And Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all the peoples. And this house will become heaps, and everyone who passes by it will be astonished and hiss and say, Why has Jehovah done this to this land and to this house? And they will say, Because they forsook Jehovah their God who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and laid hold of other gods and worshiped them and served them therefore Jehovah brought all this evil upon them so this is a a good introduction of God accepting Solomon's prayer then as we go through the rest of chapter 9 and 10 we hear of Solomon's alliance with Hiram the mutual gifts between them the establishment of a navy to ship in gold trees and precious stones for the temple, Solomon's wisdom of establishing a tariff to become even wealthier, the building of an army, and his honor from the Queen of Sheba. But when we get to chapter 11, we see a very sad end for Solomon, who was very wise, but not very spiritual. He shamefully indulged in his lust and failed the Lord. Let's go to Witness Lee as he discussed this very point.
0: Solomon was a wise man, but not a spiritual man. From my youth, I never heard any preacher criticize Solomon. Don't think to be wise is to be spiritual. These are two things. Solomon was too wise, but he was altogether not spiritual. He was a man of capability. Not one of life. In him, you could see his capability, but you couldn't see anything of life. Today, we better see life first. Then, to some extent, we need the capability. But today, most of the churches, they only pay attention to capability. Whoever is capable, they promote. But in the church, the promotion should not be here. There should be only the manifestation of the maturity in life. So capacity poisons the church. But life is always supplying the church with life. We should not be today Solomon. His wisdom was a gift, but not a measure of life. He was cut off from the enjoyment of the good land in God's economy, in his unbridled indulgence of his lust in sex. His father, David, a man according to God's heart, failed in this gross and ugly sin the indulgence of sexual lust. And his failure in this satanic temptation was much greater than his father's. This caused God people to suffer divisions and confusions among themselves throughout quite a number of generations. They became captives in the foreign Land of idol worship. What a warning this should be to us.
1: Ron, Solomon should be a warning to us. Let me read from 1 Kings chapter 11, and then I'd appreciate your comment. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, in addition to Pharaoh's daughter, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian and Hittite women from among the nations concerning which Jehovah had said to the children of Israel you shall not go among them nor shall they come among you for they will surely turn your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love and he had 700 princess wives and 300 concubines and his wives turned his heart away. And when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect toward Jehovah his God, like the heart of David his father. And Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the detestable thing of the Ammonites. And Solomon did what was evil in the sight of Jehovah, and did not fully follow Jehovah as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place to Chemosh, the detestable thing of Moab, in the mountain that's before Jerusalem, and to Molech, the detestable thing of the children of Ammon. And so he did for all his foreign wives who burned incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. Terrible ending. Terrible
2: ending. The contrast here is almost shocking. The Lord God appeared to Solomon twice. He answered Solomon's prayer for wisdom. At the beginning, Solomon did not pray for wealth for himself. He was concerned how he would go in and out among the Lord's people. He prayed for wisdom. And God gave him wisdom as a gift, as a capacity. In addition to having this wisdom as a gift, Solomon was a capable person. Therefore, he accomplished a great deal, and for a while he was in his glory. Silver objects were accounted as nothing. In the days of Solomon, gold was abundant. The queen of Sheba came and was amazed at his wisdom and said, The half has not been told. And in that positive sense, Solomon is a type of Christ reigning in his coming kingdom. But Solomon was a miserable and abject failure. All these princes wives, all the concubines, does this not indicate a dissatisfaction in him, an insatiable lust in him? And eventually, through these women, the enemy turned Solomon's heart away. He loved these women. His heart was turned away from the Lord. He then built high places and shrines for the pagan gods. Then he himself participated in the rituals associated with them. This is... Is a warning to what can happen to genuine believers in Christ in their actual experience today. We may have a very good beginning under the Lord's blessing, and we receive something from the Lord as a gift, as an endowment, and we use that along with our ability to achieve something. But actually, as Signified by Solomon, we may not be that spiritual. We may just be using our natural ability. There is very little development of the divine life. Hardly any salvation in life that Paul speaks of in Romans 5.10. No reigning in life. This is a warning. This should get our attention. This is not merely a history lesson. Paul in his epistles would talk to certain defeated believers in the church, naming categories of persons who will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's not talking about heaven, nor about the loss of eternal life. He's talking about being disqualified from the coming kingdom. Therefore, we should be open to the Lord to be enlightened. I don't care in this context to dispute eschatology, to talk about various interpretations of the kingdom? What about Paul's word in Romans 5.17 about reigning in life? Those who receive of the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life. How will we end up? Will we have a good start like Solomon, have days of glory? and then eventually be turned away in our heart from the Lord to have a miserable end? Or will we come to the Lord day by day and open our being according to his economy to receive his transmission, not just a gift or endowment, to receive the transmission of the triune God himself into us as righteousness, as grace, as life, so that little by little we can learn to reign in life. This is the heart of the burden in
1: this particular broadcast. Well, Ron, I think we've uh, got a good background for the next portion that we're going to conclude with today. Let's go to a real positive word as Witness Lee finishes the program today.
0: I worship the Lord for all the things the Lord has shown us. So my heart and my spirit... Do expect that so many of you who are the seeking ones who have been faithful in Christ will become his overcomers. Surely, we are the greatest people in the universe. We are not only greater than Solomon, but also greater than John the Baptist. Why? Because we the believers in Christ have received God into us who is now merging himself continuously into our constitution to make us him to I human beings descendants of Adam the foreign race could be in rank with God. So, according to Romans 5, we have such a life, and this life is into the kingship. If you would be mature in this age, you are the kings of this age, but the defeated ones will be under God's discipline for 1,000 years. Eventually, they will also be part of the new Jerusalem. We are too great.
1: Ron Witness ended here saying, We are too great. This isn't haughtiness, is it? This is a real boasting in Christ of what the Lord has done in his economy, that he would get into us so that he could live through us and reign through us. Exactly.
2: No flesh has any ground to boast before the Lord. But Paul also said, Let him who boasts, let him boast in the Lord. This is a word of boasting in the Lord, in what he has done, and in what he is to us, and even the more, Matt, in what he is in us. We are not empty persons We are not merely justified and forgiven sinners. We have been born of God, and this God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We have the divine, royal, kingly life in our regenerated spirit. According to the revelation in the New Testament, especially in the Gospel of John and in Paul's epistles, we have the triune God living in us. This is what Paul calls the treasure in the earthen vessel. It is for this reason and only for this reason that Brother Lee says, and we would echo what he says, we are too great. Not in what we are, we would never think that, but in what we are in the Lord and in what the Lord is in us. We are a new creation in Christ. We're a new being in Christ. We are indwelt by Christ. We have the divine life within us. We have Christ endeavoring to make his home in our hearts. We have the gift of righteousness. We have the abundance of grace. Isn't this great? This is marvelous. And because it's in us and mingled with us, we have become a new species of being in our inward being. In our spirit, which has been regenerated, and in our soul to the extent to which it has been renewed and transformed, we have become God-men, those who have God living in them as men, who have the life and nature of God in them. And this life in us reigns. It reigns over every negative thing. On the one hand, we should be warned by the miserable end of Solomon. On the other hand, we should be heartened and encouraged by the glorious New Testament revelation concerning the eternal issue of God's complete salvation and our eventual reigning with him forever and ever. But we don't have to wait for eternity for the new heaven and the new earth with the new Jerusalem as the center, we can receive grace from the Lord and enjoy righteousness from the Lord and learn in the midst of our actual situations to reign in life. This is the message we want to leave with our listeners. And I don't want to overstep and do your job. This is the reason and the only reason while we encourage our listeners to avail themselves of the printed ministry so that they can read it and then go back to the pure word and reconsider what is there in the light of the life study.
1: Well, I regret that we're out of time and we have to stop. If you would like to take us up on our offer to get more materials to get into these things, call us at 1-888-543-3788. On behalf of Ron Kangas, this is Matt Miller. Thanks for listening.
2: enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Knee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.